But Dad, isn't it time for illegal ham in the face? But, but, but bro, where's the banjo? Some Cleveland sports shows try to give you hot takes, but only one can give you a big old piece of hot ham. Welcome to Illegal Ham to the Face. Talking all Cleveland sports. And don't forget our Fat Boy Tuesday, where we also ham it up with some fun food topics. Without further ado, let's serve up some ham. Here are the Ham Boys. Fatty, Fatty, Big Bride, Big Bride, and my cousin Vinny, and my cousin Vinny. What is going on, everybody? I am Jared Fatty Bates, and welcome to another episode of Legal Ham to the Face with me, myself, and Big Bride. What's going on, big fella? What's happening? Dude, you got a new phone. You got new digs. Where you know you're staying in a hotel room out in Erie. Yep. Look at you yep. living a high life. My wife kicks me out of the house during Michigan Ohio State week, so I got to slum it in a hotel. Well, no better place than Erie, Pennsylvania. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's not as bad as Buffalo. Thank goodness. I mean, I mean not that I would know. I mean, they just had Josh Allen dumped all over their city. I mean, what was it six feet, seven inches of snow hit Buffalo? That was uh, definitely, definitely a disaster. And like some of these people were actually riding sleds off their rooftops into the like streets and stuff. They said the Buffalo players just had to dig out a walkway just to get towards the main road. So, I mean, just imagine that. Uh, and I understand that, you know, playing in the elements, you got to be out there. Yeah, nobody expects six feet of snow, and especially overnight, they already had four feet before they woke up Sunday or what, Saturday morning. So, going to happen that way. Talking to some people from Buffalo, they said it took them four hours just to get out of, like, the Buffalo area, and then, like, another four hours to get to Detroit. So, Jeez. man, you got to be committed. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if, if the Browns were Super Bowl contenders, I'd probably do that. I would be too. Uh, well, he, he was saying, he's like, well, you know, I just left my wife and uh, daughters back home to shovel everything out while I went and watched football. So I'm like, yeah, can't argue with you there. Yeah, that's messed up, that, but I would do it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't even know how to get rid of that much snow, Bri. Uh, where are you going to shovel it to? Where do you start? Yeah, where do you start? I would just look at it and be like, kids, guess what? We're eating ramen noodles for a while. Hunker down. <laughs> a lot of people do. I mean, you, you need a front-end loader or you need an excavator or something to get it out because you can't do it with a shovel, Lord knows. I mean, maybe a blowtorch? A little blowtorch action? Could be. One of the flamethrowers? Heck, yeah. Just stand out there on top of the snow. Just... <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> So, Brian, how was your uh, trip up to Detroit? You actually did make the trip up to Detroit. Did you have a good time? Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. I was going to get into it with my shout-outs, but if you want me to, uh, I guess we're we're pretty much at the shout-outs now. So, yeah, it was, it was a good time. I mean, I was happy. I was 
you know, you, you know, from talking to me after the show last week, I was kind of on the fence on if I really wanted to go to Buffalo because a, I was going to have to work this week. Um, B I didn't think the Browns really had a shot at winning and then C like the third strike was this giant storm they were talking about. So like if one of those three didn't happen, I was all in for going, but all those three happened. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to go. And so going to Detroit, it was a breath of fresh air, even though the Browns still didn't have a chance at winning. Um, but yeah, my, my shout out was going to be just for the city of Detroit. And, you know, we had a great time, went to the MGM on Saturday, um, went to the tin roof to do a little tailgating as a bar. They had, you know, a tent out there with live music and everything. And so, and just the people at the stadium, you know, couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been better service. And I know me, if you tell me on Thursday that I have to work on Sunday, and I was planning on having that day off, and then I have to turn around and work again on uh, Thanksgiving. I'd be a little upset. So, but but they were great, and um, yeah, I tip my cap to them. It's kind of a thankless job, you know. In the service industry, you don't really remember when you have good service. You only remember when you have bad service. So, yeah, I tip my cap to all them. I thank them for um, for their efforts and uh, you know giving up their Saturday or their Sunday to. Uh, to put on a show for the Browns and the Bills fans. And it was a good time. Uh, that's I'm glad you had a blast up there. I was, I was kind of worried seeing everything them when they finally moved. What's really funny is we did our score predicts, you know, you know, they moved the game. I picked it nine to three. I'm like, Oh yeah, they're not moving the game. Playing the Blizz, <laughs> nine to three. They're like, Oh no, we're playing in a dome. I'm going to backtrack a little bit and change my score a little bit. I, I think I, I get a little right. audible, a little, little uh, hot route. That's fine. I, yeah, we don't have to count this week. I don't care. No, it's all right because I actually picked the Browns still to win, and they sucked it up, which we'll get into. <laughs> uh, the only shout out I really got today is uh, you know thank God Mother Nature gave it to Buffalo and not Cleveland because the way it was setting up. I mean, if it would have hit Cleveland, we would have got a lot too. And you know, out at work, we only got I think maybe four inches, five inches. I know North. Not bad. Ash Bueller got hit pretty good though with the uh I think they got about a foot. But yeah, you know, yeah. we, we kind of got lucky with this storm because I mean six feet of snow, especially lake effect snow. And if you guys have never been in lake effect snow, it is something unreal. And I, I the only way I can explain it is you could be driving down the road and it's sunshining and then you just get one cloud and you're just screwed. I, that's the only way I can explain it. I don't know how they can predict lake effect snow now, to be honest. I mean, uh, beyond my wildest imagination, I mean, it used to just be like, well, you know, we're not calling for much, but then this came out of nowhere. So, yeah, they're earning their money, the meteorologists, I guess. Well, especially when you got the, the wind currents and see where the wind's blowing. That's all you need to know. Got Jose out there sticking his hand out the door. <laughs> making- <laughs> That's not that bad. Could be worse. Um, (laughs) I do have everybody at work, Bri, uh, wants us to do a five to ten minute segment with Jose Cato Storytime brought to you by Ice House Beer. Uh, It has been brought up multiple times. I have asked Jose to come on with us. Uh, We might do that along with Justin for a Christmas special because I think it would be absolutely amazing to have Storytime with Jose Cato. Probably you, you got to hold, you got to put that clock on him though, because he'll go for 
45 minutes and tell the same story five times. So you got to tell them, Hey, you got, so this hits zero and then you're out. So you got to finish your points. We call that a filler in this business, Brian. And if he can fill in 30 minutes, let him go. Shoot. We could do it. We could do a show every night then. I know I, it'd be great every night, especially having his picks. That'd be the great one right there. Just hearing his picks. For the- <laughs> be like, Oh yeah, that team, Jerry, you know, that team, that team uh, with the, the yeah, rookie. You know, team. That guy. That team. Yeah. Jones, yeah. Smith, Davis, yeah. whatever his name was. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Jones. No, no, no. He doesn't play though. Jose. No, no, no. I know. But his team. <laughs> that, that team yeah. You're so, Jerry. Yeah, I'm Jerry. I forgot. I'm Jerry. <laughs> uh, by the way, everybody, our show is brought to you by Hero Keel and Lake Erie APA. Uh, we're getting ready to close out the, I think, fall session, whatever the heck this is. <laughs> and we we're getting ready to start up a new one here in a few weeks. So if you'd like to join, have a good time. There's going to be a whole bunch of uh, cash payouts, cash tournaments coming up here soon. And then we got the uh, wonderful tournament for the trip to Vegas. I have the Finally brought the trophy in. It is downstairs on the mantle. Wanted to bring it up and show it off because it actually looks really nice. So cool. if you guys want to join, get a hold of us, and you can join us at Lake Erie APA on Facebook or get a hold of us, and we'll get you in touch with whoever you got to. Um, Bri, we did not finish trivia last week, which we are doing great on trivia at this point. <laughs> we'll so get I, it this week, I promise. Okay, so hold on. So last week I had a chance. It was running backs, right? We had Jim Brown. I had Adrian Peterson, Jim Brown were two, and I needed two more, right? Correct. So um, Nick Chubb was one. Adrian Peterson was two. Jim Brown was three um, for running backs who started their NFL careers, um, their first five seasons with eight-plus touchdowns in every single season. So there's only been five. Nick Chubb was one, and then those other guys. So you got two more left. But it's got to be rushing, right? Rushing touchdowns, correct. Emmett Smith is another. All Bring right, it I home. Got I got three. Bring it home. You got a week to figure it out. Uh, Adrian Peterson, Jim Brown, Emmett Smith. Right, this is killing me. I said I'd give you three strikes. All right. Um, let's see here. Marion Motley. No, good guess. Um, see, the thing that's throwing me off is rushing touchdowns. Uh, oh, Marshall, you think, who's that? Marshawn Lynch. Nope. There's strike two. There's so many great running backs over time. So, I mean, you could guess any of them, and they'd all be a great guess. Uh, let's go with a newbie, uh, Derrick Henry. Good guess. Um, I think he didn't, if you remember, he didn't play much in his first like year or two. Remember they had DeMarco Murray, so Ooh. he split time with them. Just uh, the other one. Barry Sanders or OJ? Right. All great guesses. Walter Payton, another great guess. Um, it was actually LaDainian Tomlinson. I was expecting him to be more of a, a passing pass catching because with rivers and everything else, I wasn't thinking. Him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there's probably 20 good guesses for that question. Well, Brian, it is my turn to give you your trivia for the week. Are you ready? Yep. 
All right, let me bring it up here. Hold on. It's, yep, I'm getting there. Getting there. And. All right, Bri, this week is, for us, one of the favorite traditions that you and I both love. We give each other shit pretty much all week via text message, gifts, uh, pretty much anything. But, Bri, in their illustrious, <laughs> lustrous career, Michigan has had how many 11-0 seasons? How many times did they finish eleven and zero, or how many times did they start eleven and zero? Start eleven and zero. Times did they start eleven and zero? Oh, been eleven. Probably and not much because they they haven't been playing eleven games for very long. Let me let me give you one hint, okay? Mm-hmm. There's been three of them in our lifetime. Okay. That's a good hint. I mean, I, I'm sure you're going to get it, but you know, just just let you know where the game's at because you know we're having a blast, and Michigan, you know, skated by Illinois and Ohio State, definitely skated by Maryland. I don't know why they, they were, have, they're looking ahead to the other matchup that they're going to do this weekend, and they forgot who the hell they were playing, and you know, it just I hate it when they do this because any point in time. Brian, we've we've seen those losses before. Like I've had, I mean, the losses to was it Indiana or Purdue or you know Iowa, the ones that just sneak up on you, and you're like, Iowa's three and eight, we should have beat them. But you know something, they pulled it out, and this marks. I think I think this is the only second or third time that Ohio State Michigan has meet met up undefeated, and you know I can't say the other ones, but. It's going to be a great matchup, Brian. I'm excited, buddy. We'll talk to you here a little bit later. Well, in, in all reality, the, the games this past weekend were kind of irrelevant. Um, just because had Ohio State or Michigan lost and then won this week, they're probably still in the college football playoff, even with one loss, um, as long as they would win this week. So, yeah, you know. Watching Michigan gut it out in Michigan, that was a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of dawned on me as that game was coming to an end, like, oh, even if Michigan loses this, as long as they beat Ohio State, you're probably fine. And same yeah. thing goes for Ohio State. But, hey, good. It, it's more media hype that they're uh, both 11-0. and 0. All right, I'm not even – what? Just eat. Okay. We are going to oh. – all. I see what you did there. Well, uh, are we we'll doing get... a separate show for Ohio State, Michigan? Or are we just gonna like lump it in with this? Well, I was kind of hoping to just do a kind of little separate one where you and I can kind of talk back and forth. Of, like our that's fine. It's up to you because I was either thinking uh, late Friday night doing one after like the wifey and everybody goes to bed, and we can do a little whiskey hour and have a good time and have some people on with us just talking, just having a blast on Friday night, or you know, I can't do a Sunday or Saturday morning 
either Thursday or Friday night after like everything, the festivities wind down and you know, Oh, you don't want to do it tonight. No. Why? Oh, I you thought want... we were gonna do it after this. We talked about doing it after this show. Oh. And then you just posting it on Friday. Oh, I could do that too. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll see how the show goes. Then we'll I mean, because honestly, I don't know. I'm kind of at the mercy of, of family stuff. So I don't know. I can't guarantee that I'd be able to do it on Friday. Well, you know something? We'll figure it out. We'll see how far this goes. See how we're feeling after this. And we'll go from there. Does I, that work? I'm in a hotel room all by myself. So I got all the time to rule. I mean, I have to go out to the gas station and get another tall boy. But. Well, I might have to send my kids out to the gas station and get me a tall boy, too. <laughs> Uber Eats deliver beer. They do now. Do they? You have to take a you have to take a picture of your ID and they will mm. deliver it to your house. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, it's great. Okay. And then you have to check the ID once they get here. So like normally you can <laughs> have them be like, leave it, at, leave it at the steps and then just leave and I'll grab it when I get to it. But no, mm-hmm. they actually have to your license when you get there make sure yeah doordash does too yeah so all you got to do if you get a little too hankered and you ran right. out you need just a couple more get a hold of one of our fine uber or doordash and get it right to your door but they do it for a dollar 25 beer they'll do it for whatever it's what you're <laughs> paying in, you're paying in the you delivery pay the fees you're paying the delivery fee and everything else now, Jose wouldn't do it, but you might do it. <laughs> it's cold out there. I don't feel like walking. I understand that. I definitely understand that, Bri. All right, Bri, let's get into our Cleveland headlines because I got one for you that you might just laugh your ass off at here in just a second. Okay. Right? All right, so your Cleveland headlines. The uh, Cleveland Cavaliers finally won a game last night. Got it one out against Atlanta. We're now 11-6. and six. We're back home. They're 7-1 and one at home. The Cavs are starting to get healthy and get back to good graces. Uh, Craig, the trivia question was, is in the past, let's just say our lifetimes, how many undefeated seasons has Michigan had? Or 11-0, 11-0 seasons. So, all right. So, Bri, also uh, breaking news today. Uh, some drunken bastard on the uh, Cleveland Browns field started doing donuts with a utility vehicle. Um, hmm. Oh, yeah. Turfed up. Every, yeah, turfed up everything. Just started doing donuts everywhere. So, whoever that was, uh, I can feel your frustration. Um, I understand why you did it. You probably shouldn't have done it, but he took his own personal car out there and just started oh, doing donuts. Not a personal car. It was one of like the carts, the um oh the the panty wagons, you know, like our work. Oh, I got you. Right. And host- okay. I did ask this because Matt actually sent me or you know, bought new boss Matt actually sent me the Twitter of like the guy, the picture of the guy on there. And I asked huh. where Jose was at the time. Jose has come on and said it was not him. So, Jose's is not Jose, <laughs> but yes, yeah, I was doing donuts on the uh, Cleveland Browns about the 40-yard line. Um, the team wasn't out there practicing, were they? 
No, no. They were inside today? Now, uh, Justin, it was not Chubb that was sitting on the bench. It was Miles Garrett. Uh, There's pictures of Miles Garrett sitting on the bench by himself uh, Mm -hmm. for Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know if he was crying because we didn't get that close, (laughs) but everybody else was shaking hands, and Miles Garrett was out there just sitting on the bench pondering. The press conferences this week have not been pretty, which you and I will get into here in a little bit. Uh, I'm surprised that they left Detroit uh, with their coaching staff still intact. Um, I thought one of them might be gone uh, on their way back. But, I mean, Brian, since the Band-Aid's ripped off, why don't you hit a little bit on the Cavaliers and we'll uh, get your take on the donuts, and then we'll just dive right into the Browns. Uh, Cavs have kind of pulled it back together. Um, they haven't been, although last night, last night was a really good win uh, to beat the Hawks like that and, uh, you know, win it kind of running away. But uh, but the game on Friday night, I kind of they were up big and then just kind of stopped watching it. I was out at a, a local establishment in Medina and looked back and it's like, oh, man, this might go to overtime here. And then it went to overtime and I can't remember if it went to a second overtime even. But, uh, yeah, to beat the Hornets like that without Lonzo Ball and I think another guy who's pretty good for them. That was a little concerning, but then they came back and they took care of business against the Jimmy Butler list heat. Um, so that was nice to see. And hopefully they're just getting no momentum back. Um, really good. They're, they're, they're average, not an average young team, but uh, they're like, they're like all young teams that they're, they're good and comfortable situations. They're good at home, but I think they're eight and one now. Uh, they just got to learn how to win on the roads and, um, you know, that'll come with time. We're still not even quarter of the way through the season. So nice to see them get the legs un- under them a little bit and uh, start stringing together a couple more wins. And, yeah, it's kind of like the baseball season. It's a long season. So we're going to have many more ups and downs throughout the year. And, you know, hopefully they take a lot of experience as, uh, as the season goes along. But last night was a great win. And, you know, Atlanta's one of those teams that you kind of have to overcome and and kind of hop them in order to be considered with the Bucks and the Celtics. Hey, and that's that's a great win because guess what? Atlanta was one of the ones that knocked you out too last yep. year. So, all right, Bry, let's uh, let's go ahead and rip off the band aid, bud. I mean, the Browns still suck. They really still suck. Mm. And it's not pretty. Why don't we uh, get your take of the game first? Um, I have a list of stats here that you're just going to love to hear in a little bit because I'm normally not a stat <laughs> guy, but this is kind of just ridiculous. But, you know, starting out, we had the upper hand in the first half. Uh, Buffalo came out. They were off. They had them on their heels, and then Buffalo realized about a little bit after the first quarter, oh, shit, they can't stop the run. And then they started <laughs> So, at that point in time, that's when everything started coming glued. But, Brian, how do you think the, um, the at least the first half, I mean, it was a valiant effort the first half. Josh Allen wasn't the greatest. Diggs wasn't really that great. But, you know, they just, that shows you they, 
any NFL team can find your weakness and just exploit the shit out of it. So what do you say, bud? Yeah, you know, the Bills didn't even play a great game. And they played probably they probably had their C game. And the first half, the Browns had some success, but um that eventually went away. The Bills tried to win the game in their style of playing football, and that's by throwing it a bunch. And it was kind of clear that Josh Allen just didn't have it. Um, I don't know if it's his elbow or what, because he was missing, you know, pretty easy throws, throws that he should always make, uh, being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So they tried to do it that way, and they three and out, three and out, three and out. And then he threw one high to, I think, Dawson Dotson, like a third and long. And Grant Delpit came up to try to make the tackle, missed it, or kind of got bowled over, um, and they got the first down. And that was kind of like something that uh, that released all the pressure and the stress for them, and they got got it going after that. But yeah, they just they tried to do it their way, and then they're like, oh yeah, you know, that's right, we can just run the ball at will against this team, so let's just do that. And again, another game like the Dolphins game where. We're going to take away what you do really well, and we're just going to take that away all game long, no matter what. And they shut down Stephon Diggs. They shut down Josh Allen. Allen didn't run the ball much. I think that was maybe more by design, again, with the elbow, not wanting him to get hurt. Um, and he didn't need to. So, so again, the Bills were like, well, let's just let's just get through this game. Let's get this win. Let's get out of here. And that's what they did. And, um, yeah, I mean, defensively, it was another – it was a great effort early on, and then it was like the defense just got frustrated that the offense wasn't giving them more of a lead. Um, And then, you know, we stopped them for the first three to four drives. I know they got that field goal, but they returned the ball to like 35, so they're already in field goal range. And I think the Bills got like six field goals on the day. So you team hold a team to six field goals – you know, it's still 18 points, but um, but you're not giving up touchdowns. So, and then the other one was uh, was the turnover where they just needed a first down, one first down, 10 yards, and then they're in field goal range right there too. So you hold them to that. So they didn't play bad that first half until uh, until that final drive where Buffalo got a little something going, and then that that touchdown to Diggs was just unexcusable um it was just wide open how do you the best player on their team you just leave him that wide open um you know out of the two minute warning I think and it was just all downhill from there and um you know we can get into the offense maybe a little bit more um but it's very apparent to me like this this, for me Bri this, this isn't an offensive thing this this whole season hasn't been an offensive thing because Jacoby Brissett has done enough for you guys to win. I mean, he, he threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Yes. There's times that we had to put the ball in his hands to get us a win, which is not a good thing, but the offense has played well enough that we should win games like this. The defense has come out and just laid a goose egg. And you talked about the digs touchdown. Brian, that play pissed me off more than anything else. At that point in time, I had to tell my kids to go to the bedroom because daddy was about to unload. Because first off, you called a timeout because you could not find digs. All right. 
call a timeout, bring it right back. And Diggs is wide open in the end zone while there's three of you in the secondary covering Gabe Davis. What the shit is that? Like wide open, like not even like a little bit wide open, Bri. Like that's, that's just like, that's blown everything. You can't, I can understand if it was like a run and he didn't block right or anything like that, but you even called a timeout beforehand to get everybody set up and they still couldn't freaking do it. Right. And then they double dipped on you. Just like Mm -hmm. my aunt said, they came out, they scored, came back, got the ball in the second half and scored again. That is 14 points. They double dipped on you. You can't allow that to happen. Because you're going to lose games like that, especially with the double dip. If you would have held him to a field goal, this whole game might have been a little bit different. Or if you would just did your part, run out the clock a little bit more, might have been a little bit different. But you let them double dip on you by scoring at the end of the half, getting the ball back and scoring a touchdown at the beginning of the half. Can't do that stuff. This is just elementary, Bri. And how is this team the most – I watch this – Bry, for the first 10 minutes of every first quarter, we are the 2004 New England Patriots or whatever. The one where Tom Brady just just killed everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Vegas right now for the rest of the year, no matter what. First drive, we're scoring a touchdown. We've done it for like the past <laughs> six weeks in a row, and then we can't do shit after that, Bry. And, yes, they, they were loading the box and everything else, and Nick Chubb only had, like, 12 yards rushing. But also, Nick Chubb had, like, 60 yards receiving. But I thought but he how, how many of that was in the first couple drives? I mean, the very first play, we threw it to him. And then uh, – it's so it's like he was involved in the game plan to do it, and they, they script out these first couple drives, and they're like, you know, we need to get Nick Chubb the ball – in space more often. So they did it a couple times, but then the game, the flow of the game happens and you just forget about it. And so I don't know what it is about scripting out these first couple drives. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with Jacoby Brissett. I think we again see the limitations of Jacoby Brissett. I know he had over 300 yards, but you know, a good bit of that was in, uh, was in garbage time. Um, but he does not throw the ball to the middle of the field. The only time you saw him do that is those first couple drives because he knows, you know, he has all week to think of this. He has, you know, okay, this read and then this read. And I I know, you know, so he has several days to think about if the defense gives me this look, I know Amari Cooper to the middle of the field is going to be good. Teams have figured out the Browns' offense. They absolutely have. I know time and time and time again, this past game with the Bills, they put five guy or ten guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and they put one safety back just so he doesn't get burnt, just in case the Browns decide to throw it down the middle of the field. So that's why you can't run the ball. They're putting ten guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage. It's going to be hard for any team to run the ball like that. And the only time Jacoby Brissett throws the ball deep is when he has one-on-one coverage on the outside and he just mm-hmm. he basically just throws up a 50-50 ball and hopes his receivers come down with it. And Peoples-Jones made a couple good plays and Cooper made a couple good plays, but we've seen it at least for the last month 
maybe longer, where that those are the only play deep plays that we get is where he just one-on-one coverage on the outside and he just throws it up and hopes this guy comes down with it. And I don't know if that's because the Browns don't have the personnel to have a speedster go down the middle of the field. I think it's more because Brissett is just terrified to turn the ball over. Like how many how many interceptions does he have like last month? Probably not many because he's no. not taking many chances down the middle of the field. And that's where you get your interceptions. So teams just play one safety back in, you know, they just attack you and you can't run the ball. And they say, well, Jacoby Brissett's probably not going to beat us. And to this point, Jacoby Brissett hasn't beaten many teams. It's been the running game that kickstarts, you know, loosens that defense up or, you know, whatever. Teams are just, and I noticed it starting with the Baltimore Ravens game where they're just crowding the line of scrimmage and you can't do anything in the run game. And yeah. Nick, Nick Chubb, 14 carries for 19 yards. That's that's bad for a really good running back and a pretty good offensive line at this point. I know Posick went out, but um, that's tough. That, that killed him with Posick going out. I really do. I think that just killed him because he's he's been playing great. And to have a foresight as the center coming in. And you saw there was, you know, the fumble there with Brissett, um, the, you know, false start where he looked down to the left. You know, which I thought was hilarious. They're like, yeah, it was a false start. Why? Because he moved his head. He just looked left and it was like, oh, false start. It's like, <laughs> I didn't you know, catch that. Oh, it was that was the false start that they called on him because he he got set and Batonio smacked him on the head and said, all right, go ahead and snap it. And he turned his head to look down the line, got set again, and then hiked it. And then that's when they called the false start. <laughs> But I mean, it, this game, you know, the bride, the frustrating thing is, is we knew that this season was what it was going to be. You know, we, we knew we had talent, but we also knew we knew what was happening. Somebody was getting suspended. We didn't know for how long. We knew this season might have been a wash from the get go, depending on what was going to happen. But it just sucks that you have this talent. And you're in games. We've really only been blown out of a game, maybe two games, Miami and Patriots. But it feels like any other game, you're still kind of in Buffalo kind of gave it to us there at the end. But there's other games that we've been in the game to win the game. And it's you look at it and here's the stat I wanted to bring up to you, Brian. All right. I want you to who was the leading tackler for your Cleveland Browns? Do you know? This past week? This past week. I mean, I could guess it was somebody in the secondary. Uh, close enough. Uh, JOK. JOK and John Johnson led your team in tackles with 12 and 10. Now, here is a glaring thing that shows me that your front office screwed the pooch this offseason by not paying attention to this. Tavian Bryan, one tackle. Jadavion Clowney, one tackle. Hey, a running back, Jerome Ford, one tackle. Tommy Togiai, one tackle. Dearness Johnson, another running back, had a tackle. Anthony Schwartz, holy shit, he had a tackle, Brian. Mm-hmm. Your defensive line has not done shit. And guess what? Miles Garrett, you're not suspect to this too because you only had three tackles. 
you tied Denzel Ward with three tackles. You had three tackles of one sack this entire game. Our defensive line is not cutting it at all. And every offensive team looks at that and just picks us apart, Bri. They realize that Clowney is the only one on this that will, or not Clowney, Garrett's the only one on this that can actually cause havoc and nobody else is going to just bother them at all. You had your starting defensive tackles get tied with special team running backs for tackles, Bri. Anthony Schwartz got a tackle. One tackle. Guess what? Two more, he would have surpassed Miles Garrett. <laughs> like, this is where it's at. And then after that, Bri, you go all the way up to the top. Grant Delpit had six. Emerson had seven. A.J. Green had four. Jordan <laughs> Elliott had three. So Miles Garrett and Jordan Elliott, your defensive lineman, and they ran the ball. Two running backs ran the ball on you for 86 yards apiece, and you couldn't tackle them. It starts up front, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. I hate to say it, our up front right now, we have an offensive line that's in shambles because they're injured, and then we have a defensive line that's either A, too young, or B, doesn't care anymore. So it was pretty apparent to me this game, and I don't know if I've noticed it as much in the past games, but once I started noticing it and looking for it, um, our defensive tackles, uh, they just – they don't play smart. They they shoot the gaps. They get wherever they can get to and try to get up the field and get in the backfield, and then running backs just blow right by them. And the offensive linemen are like, oh, yeah, the play's going over here. Sure, I'll let you I'll let you go that way all day. So the defensive tackles are like, I don't know if they're just going for a sack every time or what they're doing. But, you know, one thing that you learn when you play football is gap integrity. You have to be in this place. You know, the, your job as a defensive tackle is to basically, you know, Take up muddy up. Yeah, muddy up the off the line of scrimmage so the guys behind you can make plays, you know. But these guys, I don't know if they're going for the, you know, having their name called in the by the announcer or what. But they're they're just they need to be smart. They need to just sit there and occupy these offensive linemen so somebody else can make plays because they're just creating these giant holes on the offensive line around the line of scrimmage, and you know. The running backs are running for five, six yards before they're even getting touched because these holes are just huge. And so I mean, it's like football one-on-one. That's what's so frustrating that, you know, you just need a big fat guy to stand there at the line of scrimmage and, you know, hold a couple of offensive linemen. And they could be better off than what these guys are doing. And, you know, I got, you know, our friends that we, Red Leg, um, a few other people, I put out on Twitter because uh, the Eagles picked up Ndamukong Sue. Mm-hmm. And you and, I, you and I were talking about it, and that is a veteran leadership right there. That is a guy, I understand he's older. I get that, but it's still a guy that knows how to play the game of football. Having a guy like that in here would probably save this defensive line a little bit because he knows how to plug up the gaps like you are talking about. Like you're wanting to take on two blockers so your linebackers can get downhill. That's your job. Your job is not to rush the quarterback. 
That is Miles Garrett's job. That is Clowney's job. Your job is to stand in front of the center, two guards, muddy it up, and let your linebackers clean up what's left. I don't understand how hard it is for these guys. And the, the things that you're saying, Jake Burns already blew him out on that. He's showing tape where the guy's crashing down, you know, because the offensive line is just giving it to him, crashing down towards the center. And guess what? They're running right off his left side, right out the gate. And it's like, dude, stop crashing down. Just stay where you're at. Nope, still crashing down. It's like, I, what is going on here? And we can see it. Everybody else can see it. So now I get to play a fun game with you, Bri. Mm-hmm. With all the talent we do have on defense, is Joe Woods our defensive coordinator next year? I've been a defender of Joe Woods uh, last year, you know, when they started rough, kind of like this year, and then uh, they kind of got it together. Um so it's nothing personal with him, but I mean, at this point, I think he's is just too far gone. Um, you can't have defensive performances like that. The Browns' rush defense is historically bad at this point. They're not just like one of the worst in the league this year. They're historically bad, and teams, you know, I don't know if they're just so concentrating on stopping the pass because it's a passing league. They forget about the fundamentals. You have to stop the run first. Oh, yeah. um, so Joe Woods just, yeah, he, I think it's it's beyond reproach that uh, that it's just it's time for him to go, and we need to look to do better. I don't know if we need to switch up schemes or whatever. Uh, you know, clearly our defensive tackles are not cutting it. Um, but and it, I think all the defensive guys are getting frustrated with him. You can tell by some comments from Miles the last couple weeks and John Johnson that uh that they're frustrated they can't come out and say that and um Delp it Delp would say something too yeah sure well, yeah, Delp so, Delp said something stupid though it's like you know you got to know where you're at and all it was like Delp just shut up like this is your second year you actually he did play a good game this past week I thought he did. He was in around the ball, but it's one of those things that I, I just think right now what Joe Woods is trying to do with this defense, this defense doesn't need right now. This defense needs a, dare I say, a Greg Williams approach to them to kind of like fire them up and light the fire in them because I don't think Joe Woods does that. I, I don't – the way this coaching staff is built is – they're not that rah, 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 go get them boys coaching staff. Everybody's kind of like laid back. They're quiet. They don't get upset that much. And I really do think, especially for this defense, with these players we have on this defense, you need a guy to grab by the face mask and say, let's go. It's time to go now. And get them going that way. Because what they're doing now, Brian, I mean, blown coverages, everything else that's going on with this defense. And it's, it's the little things, Brian. It's not major. It's the little things. And little things comes back to bad coaching. And Terry Pluto said the best. At this point in time right now, with this defense, yes, we have a lot of talent. We've paid a lot of guys. You get rid of Joe Woods now, you figure it out if it was the coach or the players. And at that point in time, you can make changes however you have to make them. 
So if Joe Woods is gone now, they bring in whatever you know the defensive players want for defensive coordinator, however it goes, and the guy behind him. If they still play like this, you realize it's a culture thing and it's the players and it's not the coach. Okay. But as of right now, something's got to change because three and seven, uh, Brian, we, we didn't think it was going to be this bad. We thought it was going to be bad, but three and seven bad. Like we were thinking maybe, maybe one more game. You know, you and I both picked it around 500, just kind of cover it. Nobody picked three and seven, Brian. Nobody did. And guess what? Pittsburgh's beating you. Detroit. Detroit's got a better record than you right now. Detroit Lions. <sighs> yeah. I, to the point of, you know, firing Joe Woods at this point, what do you have to lose? How could your defense be any worse? Um, you know, give up 40, 45 points a game. You know, we give up 200 yards rushing. I mean, yeah, I don't think this defense could be any worse with anybody else as the uh, D coordinator. So why not do it now? Um, and then give yourself some time to think about who might be good to replace them. But, yeah, I think this – I'm telling you, I think this front office and Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, you know, going back to the Sean Watson situation, they kind of have an agreement that this whole year is going to be a shit show. So let's just get through it. Let's try to do our best. And then we'll really start evaluating you guys in 2023. And it's not what fans want to hear, but I would be very surprised if Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski lose their job uh, this coming offseason. It would have to be just a complete debacle with uh, with Deshaun Watson the next month and a half. And the other thing, like I, I'm with you. I don't think they lose their job. I, I think they're going to write it out with Deshaun Watson. The other thing, though, is like for this fan base, though, Bri, I mean, it's almost like, like, you know, we made it to the playoffs, Bry. Here's your piece of cake. You like the cake? Look at the icing. Tastes good, doesn't it? And then they give you this, and they just smack the cake right out of your mouth. And it's like, okay, um, why'd you do that? Because this cake is better. You're going to like this cake more. But, yeah, you already let me bite into that cake. And it tasted okay because we made it to the playoffs, but now you're giving me a different cake. What if I don't like that cake? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just. <laughs> I'm hungry now. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm hungry. <laughs> but I mean, it, it just, the way that everything's been handled with this team has just been, it, it's honestly, it has been a shit show. And yes, I, I the other thing that um, I want to see next year, um, Alex Van Pelt has been here underneath Stefanski ever since they started together, right? So this is going to be next year's Alex Van Pelt's fourth year with Stefanski. Mm -hmm. Stefanski, I know you have done some great play calling. I know you have done a lot of things. It's time for you to be a head coach. It is time for you to come out and just be a head coach, not an offensive coordinator. You need to be a head coach. You need to actually take over the defense, special teams, and offense all at once. Van Pelt knows how you call plays. He's been in a room with you. He hears every play you call. He knows how you like to play a game. You don't need to do it anymore. Focus on the things you need to focus with. Time management. Players coming in and out. The little things you need to focus on that you have glaringly just not seen. I think it's time for him to step away from calling plays. Be nice. I'd be on, on board with that. 
unfortunately, I think the only way that happens is if Haslam comes down himself and makes a change right there and says, you have to do this or you're going to lose your job. Or somehow Paul D. Podesta does that. Because I don't think Andrew Barry is going to do it. Andrew Barry doesn't hold people accountable. How many draft picks that has he made that haven't performed and they're still on the team? I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going to do it. He doesn't hold people accountable. How many people started the beginning of the year and, you know, we're three and seven. So clearly somebody's not living up to the bill. Um, how many starters have lost their job this season? So, how, so he doesn't hold people accountable. No. So it would have to be Jimmy Haslam coming down and saying, this is my franchise. You know, you do it my way or we'll see you later. I, I don't, because we talked last week, these guys are going to go down with the ship. They're going to burn it to the ground, doing it their way, rather than making changes. Goddamn Hugh Jackson. And <laughs> hey, one guy brought it up on the radio on 92.3. This feels worse than 16. Hey, uh, I just, I just, just because there's a light at the end of the tunnel here. Oh, and 16, you're wandering through the desert and you got nothing. But, Bry, you're hoping that a college kid can save you. Bry, at Owen 16, we had no talent. We have talent here. That was his excuse. Owen 16 and 1 and 15, who did Deshaun Kaiser? We had no talent. There was nothing here. There was nothing in the cupboards. The cupboards are supposedly full, just they don't want to play i i don't know the spices aren't right i guess right let's get let's get moving on let's get your big old player of the week big old player of the week well i was gonna go one of two ways i think our receivers had a good game so being ohio state michigan week i'll go michigan man dpj made a couple tremendous catches on the sidelines getting those feet in and he scored his first touchdown of the year so give it to him all right, I got to go with Amari Cooper. What a great show he had. Um, it was nice having Njoku back. The, the hurdle from Njoku. Yeah, man, pretty cool. I can't, I can't believe like he, Just seeing how athletic he is and just like, yeah, Amari Cooper had a day of all days. Uh, let's get, do you even have a defensive player of the week? I said Martin Emerson. Just because he stepped in for for Greg Newsom being out, and then he got a little banged up in the game, and he kind of stayed in there, gave us some continuity. Um, but yeah, I mean, def- the defensive backs didn't play terrible. It was just, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was it was a block kind of game. Like it was like uh, Buffalo wasn't really trying their hardest, but they were still finding ways to score points, and then. Our offense went dormant there for a large chunk of the game, so uh, it was just an ugly, ugly game. Uh, my player of the week, JOK. Uh, it's nice seeing him back, seeing him everywhere. And the only thing, like I, I see him tackling Bry and everything else, and it, it's also we need we need a big thumper for a linebacker. I, I'm tired of seeing safeties all over the field. Need one guy that can just lay the wood for this team. And Bry, just not my day, player or coach or whatever of the week. I had uh, I had Clowney, Davion Clowney. Um, you know, he came back a couple weeks ago and supposedly is healthy. And I was watching him a couple plays, and 
he just, if you look at him, just a couple plays. I don't know if this was just me, like, focusing in on him, and this only happened a couple of times, but the times I did focus in on him, I was like, he's just out there not giving maximum effort. Like, a run play, not to his side. He's just kind of, you know, touching the, the offensive tackle and then just kind of going about his way. Or if he gets stonewalled, he's just kind of done. He's not, like, fighting. Like, everything depends on it. So, I, I think, you know, we knew he was a mercenary when we got him, and I think he's realizing this team doesn't have the talent or um, or the fight to make it to the playoffs this year. So, he's just kind of checking out. Unfortunately, I, I've I've praised him in the past. I thought he's had some some great games in the last year and a half, but I hope I hope he does better this this week. Yeah, I'm just going to go with the whole defensive line. Um, like I said, with the stats I put out there, Brian, that that's just that's not good when your leading tackler is. Yeah, linebacker is going to be there, but when your starting defensive line has only got one tackle, one, just one. Just one, Bri. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. All right, Browns versus Tampa is coming up next. Bri, give me uh, – we got to do our score predict, and then we got to do our three keys to victory for Tampa Bay. So you want me to go first? Go ahead. Uh, three keys to victory for Tampa Bay, which we are they're playing it here, right? It is here in Cleveland. It's in Cleveland. Uh, pray to God for a monsoon or a blizzard, uh, number three. Uh, number two, uh, Nick Chubb has got to do better. At least 100 yards rushing. And number one, uh, defense, just don't trip on your shoelaces as you're coming out of the tunnel. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at now with this team, Bri. And I, I picked Tampa Bay winning by, what's the spread? What is it, like? Three of them. I don't know. Is that what it is? I, I forgot have to look, to be honest. Okay. That's all right. We'll just go with that. Well, I'll look it up on your phone real quick while I uh, give my – I mean, ESPN should have it on their um, their scoreboard. Three sounds about right, though. Maybe a little more. Um, my three. I mean, I, as a Browns fan, I'm a little demoralized. Um, yeah, we can say this stuff. That this, this has to happen. But um, I don't have a whole lot of faith. <laughs> Start throwing the ball into the middle of the field, though. I mean, let's see what happens. If you throw an interception or whatnot, so be it. Uh, number two, let's go with the defense finally getting some damn turnovers because they're just – I mean, how are they this bad at getting turnover? I mean, I know you can't really practice for it or scheme for it, but – what do they have? Three interceptions this year, something like that. It's just, it's unbelievable. Win the turnover battle. We lost it again this week, even though our quarterback doesn't turn it over much. Um, and then number one, let's not get a pick block this week. I said a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, I, I put it on Cage York. How, how do you get a how do you get a thirty yarder blocked? I, I'm pretty sure. Um, Mountain Union's offensive line could block a 30-yarder for Justin Tucker because he'll get it up real quick and it's going to go through. So he's he's not getting coached right or something, you know, um, because he needs to change the way he kicks. He can kick from 
70 yards, but he can't get one over a six-foot guy from 30. So something's wrong there. All right. So, Bry, the minus three and a half. I mean, Tampa. Three and a half. Okay. Um, Is that right? Minus three and a half? Who's minus three and a half? Tampa. Tampa's minus three and a half. So, yeah, they're favored by three and a half. Um, I had 19-13 Tampa. Low-scoring game. Tampa's defense is really good. Um, They have Vita Vea in the middle, and we have uh, our third-string center playing at this point, so he's going to cause havoc in the run game. Um, And, hey, if – it's good. Going to be hopefully a good uh, fantasy week for me because I have a lot of Leonard Fournette stock, and the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers cannot run the ball at all. They're one of the worst in the league, but they're probably going to have a really good week this week. So go pick up. Uh, oh, who's their backup? Rashad Jones or, or something like that. Leonard Fournette, Rashad Jones. Both those guys are going to have probably a monster week this week. Um, Tampa Bay loves to throw the ball, so maybe they're stubborn and they just want to do it their way. But Buffalo kind of figured it out that, hey, if the passing game's not working, you got to just run the ball. And uh, and you can do basically what you want against this defense. So maybe the defense gets upset, gets embarrassed by that stuff. Um, oh. But it's just – yeah, it seems like Groundhog Day. We're going to be talking about this again next week where Browns can't stop the run. You know, Tom Brady didn't look great. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those guys didn't have great games. But somehow we still lost by two touchdowns. Yeah, and I picked 35 to uh, – let's go 35-24, Brian. Uh, Tampa. Your score is 35-24? Okay. Yep. It's I mean, we can we can beat them. They're not, like, great. They're, they're not Kansas City Buffalo. The Steelers beat them a couple weeks back, so – if the Browns really going to stick up their ass and they don't want to get embarrassed, they they can they can win this game. I'm not going to be super shocked if they do, but if they just kind of play like they had the last couple weeks, where you know when's Deshaun Watson coming back, then uh you know it'd be another one of those results. Yep. All right, buddy, you ready for Fat Boy Tuesday? Sure. And now it's time for Fat Boy Tuesday. All right, Brian. I put out there on the Twitterverse and the Facebookverse, what's the worst Thanksgiving food? All right. And I got in a wide array of wonderful, are you, yep, okay. wonderful uh, answers, especially on Facebook with friends and family that have chimed in. Uh, we have had, no reason why I brought it up is everybody loves Thanksgiving. Uh, Justin, I know you're still watching. Thank Thanksgiving is amazing. It is a food smorgasbord from pretty much sunup until sundown because you're just picking at it all day. Whether you watch football, whether you watch the Christmas story, however you want to watch it. But I wanted to get everybody's take on the best and worst of Thanksgiving, especially the worst. So now that Brian is back with earbuds in, Bry, what is your worst Thanksgiving food? Because we have had the list has gone from green bean casserole, 
succotash, cranberries, cranberries, cranberry sauce, all that stuff. Oyster stuffing was brought up, mm. which is that's a lot of people make oyster stuffing. Um, the other thing was brought up, mincemeat pie was brought up. <laughs> um, sounds terrible. Like, it, but I mean, there's just there's a lot of things that go with Thanksgiving that are good, and some things are bad, and some things are just kind of overrated. Okay, now everybody puts on a great spread, but I'm going to tell you my worst Thanksgiving food. All right, Brian, are you ready for this? Sure. There's always one family member that brings it. And whoever's listening to this, you can hate me forever long you want to hate me for. Whatever bastard brings a veggie tray to Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, you are the biggest asshole in the world. And I say wow. this. Because, no, no, no. I say this because everything else about Thanksgiving it's just a glutton of food. I mean, you have sweets, you have starches. You're just trying to get fat. That person's bringing a veggie tray to make themselves feel better for getting fat the entire day going, well, I had two pieces of celery from that veggie tray. Don't bring a veggie tray. <laughs> so, you, so you're not you're not even going to narrow it down to green bean casserole or... No. Corn or broccoli, cheddar. You're just saying all vegetables. They just have to go. Gotta go. They gotta go. Not all vegetables. <laughs> oh, I said veggie tray. Now I oh, love okay. I love green bean casserole. There's like, where I'm at. You That's like one of the worst. Uh, well, no, I'm not a huge green bean fan. And you know that uh that I can't stand mushrooms. So I think it's made with cream and mushroom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the French fried onions are great, but um green bean casserole do away with it. Uh the other things you mentioned, I'm on board with all of that. And I know you tell me every year and I forget every year what the heck is succotash. That is uh corn and lima beans with like a little bit of sugar in them. It's like a sweet thing. That's not bad. It's, sure, well, that's not bad. The reason why I brought it up is because Chris, my brother in law, hates succotash. And it's like hmm. a it's a family thing. Like my grandmother made it for us. My sister now makes it for the rest of the family. It's just, it's a family thing to eat. Um, Justin right. said, Hey, now veggie trays are good when you're trying to sober up. No, 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 Justin. When you're trying to sober up nuking leftovers, that's when leftovers are good. That's when you get the stuffing that's cold and you just kind of soak up the alcohol. Oh, yeah, for sure. Exactly. Oh my Lord, Justin, we're going to teach you how to do this. Right. Um, but no, it, and also you got to throw it in there. Now I have never had this until I went down to West Virginia. Now I've, I've heard of it, but yams with the marshmallows on it. Mm -hmm. I've heard of it. I've never had it. I'll never have it again. Oh, you did. Have, you tried it down there. I tried it down there and I'm like, Nope, can't do it anymore. Like I, when I when it comes to sweet potatoes, for me, we always did sweet potatoes and gravy on top, or the hmm. uh, the brown sugar and butter on top of them. Never did the the uh, candy pecans. No, really, that's no. that's what we always do. That's really good, but it's almost like a dessert. See, listen to this guy. Uh, now he's like, I did go to culinary school. Yeah, you went to culinary school, and you're an accountant now. 
So obviously, <laughs> I'm right. with you, Justin. No, oh, I love you. Um, what <laughs> is all right? So, Bry, leftovers. Let's get into leftovers because that's the best thing after Thanksgiving's all over with. You got the leftovers. You got sandwiches. You got everything else. Are you a huge leftover fan where you'll like make another plate the next day of Thanksgiving? Or do you kind of just concoct something together that uh, you make a little turkey sandwich and some chips? Or do you just do the whole Thanksgiving all over again the next day? Yeah, I've already, um, believe it or not, I've already had my first helping of leftovers uh, yesterday. Uh, so being in Detroit, I didn't get to partake in our friend's giving that, uh, that we go to every year. So my wife went, she brought me home a plate and still almost as good as the first time you have it. Um, especially the, some of the things you can't recreate, you know, I'm a big, um, big cheesy potato guy. So right. the crunchy, uh, the crunchness you get from the cornflakes obviously is not going to be there cooking them again in the microwave um, and the stuffing loses a little something, but yeah. Everything, uh, you know, I, I, it's not just a turkey sandwich. I really would just do a turkey sandwich. It's just recreate the whole thing, throw it in the microwave for 30 seconds, probably still cold, throw it in for another 45, pull it out, and just crash on the on the couch. All right, white meat, dark meat. White meat, dark meat, too greasy, fatty, whatever. I mean, I hear that my wife tells me that's where all the flavor is, and I trust her, but uh, I've always been a white meat guy. Now, does your family do the wishbone? We used to. Uh, growing up, I remember it very vividly on both my mom and my dad's side, but I couldn't tell if they still do it. It's been probably 15 years, 20 years since I remember seeing it happen. Now, after Thanksgiving festivities, all right, does your family play like board games? What do you guys do for Thanksgiving? Because like for us, as soon as everything's kind of cleaned up, everything's off the table, we start playing cards. Mm -hmm. So it's either uh, Euchre or Hazi or Hand and Foot for us. But I know nice. a lot of people play board games. So typically how it's gone, um, usually, I mean, now, especially with my wife's family, we usually do a couple of um, couple of Thanksgiving dinners in one day. Um, so go down to her family's and then go join my dad's side of the family and usually miss out on the first meal. But we have the tradition of doing the turkey bowl, and it's kind of in jeopardy this year because it might not be as well attended as years past. So I don't know, but – Usually play a little football game for an hour, hour and a half in the street, and then uh, come in, and then we do appetizers um, just to kind of switch it up rather than just doing the same dinner that you had five hours ago. We cook a bunch of appetizers and stuff, and actually that's my favorite part of, um, of Thanksgiving. Uh, my aunt, my cousin, they, they do it right. They do appetizers that I don't get any other time of the year. Hanky pankies. You know what hanky pankies are? Oh, yeah. With like the cheese and the sausage on the rye bread. Um, they do, they're from Cincinnati. So they do a skyline chili dip. Uh, they do a Reuben dip. Um, I'm trying to think. They do like these, uh, these, what are the chow, chow mein noodles with like butterscotch and uh, and peanuts? I don't know if you ever had those like bird nests. Uh -oh. um, so that's like 
a handful of things and they do a few more. And so I just mow down on that. That's my favorite part. And then, yeah, we eventually get the board games, probably um, maybe car games or something and hang out, watch whatever football games on. And then, you know, kind of slowly fade away into a deep, dark sleep until uh, the next day, probably around 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, maybe. All right, Bryce. So closing out Fat Boy Tuesday. When you walk into that Thanksgiving spread, what is the one thing that you're excited to see when you get there? Let me first say my wife's macaroni and cheese, and she's just started doing it maybe the last three years or so. Um, but it's become a, a huge hit with her family. So now she has to keep doing it every single year. Um, as far as my family goes, my aunt makes uh, they're mashed potatoes, but she puts so much um, uh, sour cream and cream cheese in them. They call them, it's like they're better than mashed potatoes. So we call them holiday potatoes and man, they are phenomenal. They're, they're a little bit thinner. They're not as thick as and dry as like regular mashed potatoes, but only get them at Thanksgiving time. So I always look forward to those. My cousin makes uh, my grandma's rolls that um, I don't know what the heck the secret to those are, but again, only get them once a year and they're phenomenal. I have like 10 of them. All right. Justin said his grandmother's orange jello salad. Hey, I'm not. Yeah, gonna... that sounds good. That does sound good. Uh, my favorite thing is, is like, there, all right, I'll give you my top three. And one is all together. Deviled eggs or pickled eggs. If I see those, it's like I'm like a kid in a candy store. Because those I'll pick at before anybody else gets to them. And I get slapped all the time, and especially when they're making them. They're like, I had 12 here. I'm like, no, you didn't. Put another one down. No, I had 12 here. <laughs> you didn't have 12. Uh, the other thing, um, my mom's pumpkin roll. Gotta go with a pumpkin roll. Oh, you yeah. Oh, so good. Best in the freezer or the fridge. Best served cold. All right. And the number one thing for me, Bri, is my sister's noodles. Okay. So for us, she got me started. It, it's been her thing for like years. You get the mashed potatoes and then you get the egg noodles with the like the turkey and chicken stock in it, like some of the leftover. And you just pour it right over top the mashed potatoes, noodles and mashed potatoes. So good. Mm -hmm. I only get it once a year. And when I do, I'm killing it. And you know something? I know you don't like green bean casserole, but man, I love me some green bean casserole. I'll eat a cold if I have to. I don't care. <laughs> I'm a monster like that. I'm all right with that. Okay. All right, Brian, let's get the top three things we're thankful for. We'll do the trivia. You got about 10 yeah. minutes to do a little bit of high state Michigan hate. And then uh, we'll close. It oh out yeah. Time. I got time. Yeah. All right. So let's see here. Uh, Brian, give me your top three things you're thankful for this year. Okay. Number three, um, you know, as we get older, uh, it you can't take your, your health and your family's health for granted. So every year that passes, I'm just incredibly grateful that, uh, that everyone is still around and everyone is still healthy. So if, if we can be in the same position next year, I'll be 
super, super happy. So that would be my number three. Number two, uh, kind of close every show with it. Just thankful that, that I was born and raised in the greatest country in the world. And sometimes we kind of don't realize how much better we have than, uh, than other countries. And, you know, I know we're not perfect and we have a lot of things wrong with this country, but um, we have our freedom and you can still be whatever you want to be. So that's number two. And then number one, it's always number one. It's my family, having my family around, um, you know, as we grow and get bigger and get further away, uh, you grow to appreciate the time that you can all get back together. And, uh, you know, even if you haven't seen them for an entire year, or haven't talked to them for six months, it's just kind of uh, you throw all pettiness aside and just kind of hug each other and love on each other and have some laughs. And, um, yeah, just uh, just enjoy being around each other and always puts a big smile on my face this time of year. All right, so I'm just going to pretty much do this for Justin. Uh, for Justin, it's Thanksgiving, hookers, and blow. Um, okay. You want to put that out there for that. Uh, Brian, I'm in the same boat with you. Uh, number three, um, troops, you know, the people that can't come home for Thanksgiving, people that take care of us, can't get together with their own family because either they're working or other things are going on. You know, I that, you know, I'm thankful for those people that actually do take care of us, Bri. Um, I don't know where Patty Pat is at this year. Um, might be down my sister's. I'm not hundred percent sure, but just family like that. Uh, number two, um, big Bri, I am thankful for you. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I made the top three. You made the top three, Bri. Wow. Bri, we have started. I look back June 5th, 2020 is when we started this show. And look where we're at now. We're having fun still. Everything's kosher. I love every bit of it. I can't not thank you enough for being a co-host for this because you and I have started this actually probably back in, what, 2006? When we started talking sports, we should have done it way back then. But, you know, doing it now with you, I can't thank you enough. And I love every minute of it. I love, hey, and I love this side gesture, especially with Ohio State, Michigan. Um, oh, can't wait for that. I know. And my number one, like you said, family. Whether it be family I haven't talked to, family I haven't talked to in a while, or a family that's pissed off at me and doesn't want to talk to me. Um, still love my family. I still consider you family. I love all of you and I cannot wait to see you guys soon. And I appreciate you guys more than anything in this world, because if it's not without family, you, the support system you have around you, um, it's, it's a lot. And especially with mental health and the way it is today, you know, no matter what happens, Brian, you always pick up a phone call and call somebody. Like I know if I need to talk to you about anything, I can pick up the phone, call you, and be like, hey, bud, we got to chat for a little bit. And I know you'd answer that phone. So thank you for everybody that does pick up that phone. And, you know, something you ever need to call me and talk to me, give me a buzz, bud, because I've been there. I've done it. You see me at my worst, and you see me at my best, bud. And, you know, a lot of people don't get to see that, especially in family. But family is always there for you. No matter what happens, no matter bad, good, or indifferent, 
they're always there for you. So please get the chance to call your family, tell them, you know, happy Thanksgiving, hug them, love them, because you don't know when you get that next chance to actually say it to them. All right, Brian, it's time for your trivia. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Hey, I remember, remember. Brian. I remember, remember. Brian. I remember. In our lifetime, Michigan. How many times have they been 11 and 0? In our lifetime? In our lifetime. I feel like you may have given me a little Easter egg earlier. I'm going to say three. You are correct. 19, See, I picked up on that. 1997, Michigan went undefeated and National was champion. co national champions with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Co national championships with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, 2006, the game. And we're about to have it again here, Bri. 2022, Michigan's 11 and 0. Meaning an 11-0 on Ohio State. Now, Brian, I do have to ask you. We're getting Ohio State-Michigan now, and everybody else can kiss my ass because it's our show. We can do whatever the hell we want. So, Brian, let's get into this. How is your Heisman hopeful running back doing? Did he blow his ACL? Get a little cramp? I don't think he blew his ACL, but I don't think he's going to play this week. One of the uh, one of the offensive linemen kind of let it leak, I guess. Um saying that they were going to be without him and everybody else is going to have to step up. So it's a huge blow. You know, like if uh, if Ohio State lost C.J. Stroud, it's kind of uh, kind of the same playing field. But, you know, it's football. Guys, you lose guys all the time. But you guys still have your quarterback. It'd be like us losing, you know, Trayvon Henderson, which we have. Yeah. And, you're, lo- you're losing your best – Michigan's losing their best offensive players, so – but you have Ohio J. State J. losing their best offensive player. But you have J.J. McCarthy and, you know, Harbaugh. He's not, he's not their best offensive player. Well, and he, McCarthy's backup beat Ohio State last year, so that wouldn't be too much of a drop-off. Plus, Michigan's backup running back, Donovan Edwards, was didn't play last week either, and I don't know if he's going to play this week, so you might be on your third-string running back. Oh, man, I don't want to hear excuses from you. I'm, I'm not – that's not an excuse. That's just the truth. Don't want to hear excuses. Just like you barely beat Illinois, don't want to hear excuses from you. I mean, that, that's literally not an excuse. I mean, their third-string running back would be playing. If Ohio State had a third-string guy and you said he was playing, you'd be correct. All right. So, Bri, how do you see this going? I mean, they are at the shoe. And, you know, we're, we're both homers. But we are also real about everything. All right. Uh, you're obviously going to pick Michigan to win, mm-hmm. right? You're you're not going to waver at all. No, no. I mean, uh, Michigan and the Browns are kind of similar, I think, um, because it all starts with the run game, and it all starts with the offensive line and controlling the line of scrimmage. And they did it last year to Ohio State, and if they did it last year, they can do it again this year. I mean, the only difference between Ohio State or between Michigan and the Browns are. Michigan has a much better defense than what the Browns do. So, I mean, we could talk all day how, you know, Ohio State and Michigan are both 11-0 for a reason. They're both very good teams, yes, but they've both played pretty soft schedules. So, um, you know, it's no surprise that Michigan's defense is giving up 
some of the least amount of points in the country uh, because they just haven't played too many great teams. So, yeah, they'll be tested. It's going to be strength on strength. It's going to be Ohio State's offense versus Michigan's defense. And, you know, I, I think it could go either way. Um, you know, the reason you talked after last week's game, how you wanted to bet me straight up, and I was saying, like, I'm not stupid. Um, I think Michigan can win the game for sure, but make no bones about it. Ohio State has better talent. Go look at the last five recruiting classes in Ohio State's top three, and Michigan's down around 20 to 30. So Ohio State has better players than Michigan does. I mean, again, just stating facts, not making excuses or anything, but, you know, Georgia has more talent than Tennessee. Alabama has more talent than Kentucky. Right. You know, these are just these are just facts. South Carolina does have more talent in Tennessee, and they fucking kick their ass. So, yeah, right, and that's why you play the games because stuff like that can't happen. So, it's not like I'm saying just because Ohio State has more talent that there's there's a no brainer they're going to win the game. But they're at home; they have more talent, and they have the better quarterback. So, usually, you can see why they're favored by a touchdown. I mean, and Michigan's without their best player on offense. Let's be honest. We have the best quarterback and wide receivers. Let's just be honest. In the game or in the country? Probably in the country. Wide receivers, I might give you that. Quarterback. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say quarterback, but I'm telling you what, Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, you're losing the entire year. We we haven't even played with our Heisman hopeful, Smith and Jigba, the entire year at all. And yet mm-hmm. we're still putting out this offense. Right. Because how many because they have like five five star wide receivers. Right. It's that goes back that, to recruiting. Brian, it's not that hard. It's called Jim Harbaugh, pony up the money and let's do this. I, it, I <laughs> well, Michigan Michigan kids have to go to school. Oh yeah, because they're so they don't they don't they don't go to Michigan to play football or to play school. Sure. Sure. I, I roll my eyes so far in the back of my head, I've almost fell out of the chair. Sure, they don't go to Michigan to play. No, no. <laughs> just like the kids, I mean, just like the kids from Notre Dame have a grade point average that they have to hit. Sure, I believe that. I, 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 I mean, I, I've never heard that, but I believe. Uh, you know, these kids are having different academic uh, qualifications that they have to hit. No, I, I'm just expecting a good game, Bry. And I, I hope this is, hey, it's no fun with a blowout. It's fun with competitive. It's fun. Like last year, you know, you and I gave each other so much shit about, you know, you were saying that, like, it's been a thousand days since, you know, Ohio State beat Michigan, blah, 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 blah. I, I get that, Bry. But I give it to you because you actually did it, even though they dodged us on the COVID year because they're a bunch of bitches. I know people keep bringing that like people take like where that is a badge of honor, like that Michigan dodging during. The, I mean, Ohio State's beat Michigan 80% of the time last or maybe 90% of the time the last 20 years. But like Ohio State fans want to keep bringing up the COVID year. I mean, I would just well, point to like the last 20 years. But the only reason why is because we play them every year and they're using. There's no you know, doubt guys, about it that, that Ohio guys, State would have won that game. Yeah, but I understand that. But you guys are using the excuse of COVID, even though it wasn't COVID. You don't. How do you know it wasn't COVID? How many games got canceled that year? Hey, right. 
it was a flu. I mean, Michigan had a game canceled against Iowa. Was that were they dodging them? Bry, we had a guy that we work with. It's the flu. It's not COVID. There's no such thing as COVID. Even though doctors that know probably what five hundred thousand times more than him told him it was COVID. No, I just hey, there's there's a little bit there's a little bit of shadiness going on with that because. The only reason why I say it is that's probably the worst team that Michigan's had in a very right. long time I, since yeah. Rich Rod. Since Rich Rod. And I think they just didn't want to get embarrassed. And that's fine. If you don't want to get embarrassed, that's fine. You can go ahead and, you know, medical reasons we can't do this. And, you know, we just got to – I get it. I get it. Never know. Never know. Hey, I can't wait to see the uh, 30 for 30 on that with all the people that tested positive for Michigan. No, nobody cares that much about it except for Ohio State fans. It'll never be a third. Oh, oh, Ohio State fans will talk about that game for the next five years. Can there was no game? The, the game that never was. Now, yeah, but there. but if Michigan wins this game, I think the rivalry's back on. I don't think I don't think the rivalry's back on just because they beat him one year. I think you beat him two yeah. years, especially if Stroud goes on to win the Heisman. You know. Um, how how hollow would that Heisman be if he lost to Michigan twice? I mean, no Ohio State fan would celebrate him. I still would. You still would, even though he lost to Michigan twice and didn't make a college football playoff at all. They would still hold on. All right, so we got to get into this. Even with a one loss, Ohio State Michigan, they would still sneak in the playoff at the end, right? Ohio State would. Over Michigan, I think um, Why? they will give they they give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt. They they would give Alabama the benefit of the doubt if they have one loss. They give Ohio State wow. the benefit of the doubt, but they wouldn't give Michigan the benefit of the doubt because Michigan hasn't been a powerhouse for ten years. So what if? How about this? What if Michigan beats Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Okay, but let's just say loses to Illinois in the championship game. Hmm. That point in time, you have a one loss Ohio State, but a Michigan team that beat Ohio State. You'd that, have to put a Michigan over over Ohio State at that point. I mean, otherwise that would be. But that'd be one glaring horrible loss that you guys had at the Big Ten championship. Right, but if two teams have this, and this is something that you know they've done it before, obviously, but something that drives me bananas about the the selection committee. Uh, if one, if two teams have the exact same record and they played each other, and the one team won head to head, you know they have the same record, so that's the tiebreaker, the head to head. I mean, and it, it goes for more than just Ohio State, and Michigan. It goes for any team, two teams that have the same record. If one team beat the other, same record, that team's automatically above. I get you, and you know what the great thing is, is Justin just pulled this up, and you know what the great thing about this playoff is, Brian. There will be no effing Alabama playing in this national championship. Yeah. I, I don't know. There is zero, zero chance Alabama plays in this national championship. That loss to LSU for Alabama was the nail in the coffin. Now, there might be a two-loss LSU sneak in at the back end of the championship, but they would have to beat Georgia. But you have USC still only one loss, 
correct? Yep. You have TCU still undefeated, I believe, getting ready to go into their Big 12 championship. There is no possible way Alabama can even come close to sniffing the playoffs this year. So this would be the first year without Alabama in the playoffs, right? Yeah. um, I think the Alabama hate is more Ohio State fan stuff. Like, as a Michigan fan, I really don't care. I mean, Alabama's the best – uh, the best school, the best football program in the last 10 years, kind of like well, when no, the Patriots no, I, had their run. No, and I understand that, but everybody, we've had a one-loss Alabama. We've had, like, it's just, it's always a scenario that it's the SEC and Alabama is the echelon of the SEC. And to see right. the chink in the armor with Alabama right now opens the door for everybody. And not just like, yeah. You think not? You think it's not that big of a chink, but it is because LSU, who's played god awful horrible, with Brian Kelly comes out and beats you, and then you're going to have a Georgia LSU SEC championship. Like it's 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 crazy. LSU has been pretty good this year. I mean, other than outside of the one game against Tennessee where they got the doors blown off, their first game against Florida State, remember, that was the wild one I was texting you about. Like, but they they returned a kick, or I forget, they scored with, like, no time left and then missed the extra point or something like that. So LSU hasn't been bad. No, I'm not saying they haven't, but, I mean, it's just, uh, yes, SEC is where SEC is. I get where SEC is. But they also forget that the schlubs that they play, like, you know, last week we're actually playing conference games while Alabama is playing, was it Austin P? Yeah, but but that, does, that doesn't matter. I mean, you look at the at SEC the, top the, to bottom. At the end of the year, it does. We play those schlubs at the beginning of the year. We play a tough schedule all the way to the end. But I would think, wouldn't you, would you agree that an SEC schedule is more difficult than a Big Ten schedule? Really? See, you're showing your homerism right there. I mean, other than Michigan and Ohio State, what good teams are there in the Big Ten? I mean, Illinois is not bad, but okay, no, I okay, I I get what you're saying, but you also got to look at the bottom of the SEC. No, I'm I don't worry about the bottom. I look at the the good to great teams. Every every conference is going to have the schlubs at the bottom. Okay, the, they don't they don't count. Okay, look at so look they- at the top. Six teams in each conference. Okay, so the six teams for the Big Ten are Penn State, Ohio State, mm-hmm. Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. Illinois. Well, now Illinois, but I'm just saying in general. No. Oh, and well, yeah. Iowa's always been a decent team, and Michigan State. Either Michigan State or Northwestern with the ups and downs, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess you right. could probably argue. I, I think those four, and then you know, two other teams kind of rotate let's in. Go, let's go SEC then. Mm-hmm. East and West, six teams. Okay, so we have Georgia East, Alabama West, right? Hmm. LSU West. Yep. Who else on the East? Florida. (laughs) 
They haven't been relevant. LSU. So, so let's just look at national champions in the last ten years. Okay, no, you no, have no. you have Auburn, you have Alabama, you have LSU, uh, you have Florida won a couple, um, Georgia won last year. Not I mean, how many teams? Year. How many teams in the Big Ten have won a national championship in the last ten years or the last twenty years? Ohio State. In Ohio State. Right. Okay. Michigan State got in, got boat raced. Last year, Michigan didn't really do great against Georgia. I mean, I, I, it's a no-brainer to me that the SEC is I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, above the Big Ten. I'm not saying that they're not, but you can't throw Florida in there because Florida hasn't been relevant since Urban Meyer. They've, they've had some decent yeah. Okay. So that's they're like, like they're like Penn State. I would put them. I would put them in the same class as Penn State. Since okay. So after that, so you got LSU, Alabama, Auburn's been a Georgia, show. Georgia. Yeah, Auburn. Auburn's Auburn. been pretty bad. Ole Miss, please. Up and down. Tennessee had their one fluke year this year. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm saying the on, Big Ten is hold on Ohio hold on. State of Michigan. I get that. So let's, see, let's see here. Texas A&M. Uh, we don't eyes. need to go through the rest of it. I mean, so, you, I, so you're, you're arguing, is, is that your argument that the Big Ten and the SEC are kind of neck and neck? I'm not saying that they're neck neck. I understand where you're saying that like a lot of teams down there are really good, but how good are they? Like we don't. LSU is one of the best ever. And I, I don't think, uh, a Penn State or a Wisconsin could never have a run like that. But they're one of the top three that they have. And we've had Penn State make the playoffs. They made that I run. So. I don't believe I don't think they have. What Penn State made the playoffs? Or was it Michigan State? Michigan State did with Connor it's- Cook, but then they got blown out by uh Alabama. But they made that run, but they had to play Alabama, who was the top team there. What if that team mm-hmm. played? What if that team played Florida? Yeah, I can't remember who was in that year. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I understand. I understand. Like there's top of the top, and then there's bottom of the bottom. Like SEC top. <laughs> S- no, no, no. Hold on. No, I'm just laughing. At, I'm laughing. At this started as a, uh, a Michigan Ohio State thing, and now we're going Big Ten SEC. Sorry, I guess I'll be SEC guy. All right. So, no, I get it. I mean, they should be. I mean, that the, the gauntlet they have to run through. Yes, they're very good teams. I'm not saying that they're not very good teams that they have to beat. But there's also teams that you look at that they match up with. Like, let's just say LSU Florida play each other. Like. Oh, this is the mm-hmm. going to be the one of the greatest games ever. Then you look at the end of the season, and Florida's only won five games. It's like, sure. okay, so why'd you hype this up? Like, at, at least that right, we're not getting into it. It doesn't matter because it's an argument that's never going to. No, I know, but I think I, it just. I think it's uh, it's been under a microscope this year because it, the Big Ten is just. Literally at this point, Michigan and Ohio State. Oh yeah, I know. You have, I mean, Illinois is probably your third best team at this point. Uh, I mean, because they gave Michigan a game, Michigan blew out uh, Penn State. So I would, based on that, those results, I would say Illinois is a better team than than Penn State. 
Wisconsin's kind of down, and Michigan State's pretty terrible. All right, Homer, let's get our Ohio State-Michigan scores. <laughs> and then we'll get off of here, and I can actually go to the bathroom, which you already did, Dick. Oh, good. You can go. I can, I can just no, spew no. A, a lot of Michigan love while you're gone. Yeah, and we'll get blocked by the FCC, and it's just not good. It's not good, Brian. <laughs> All right, Brian. Uh, Ohio State-Michigan this Saturday at noon at the Horseshoe. Do you want me to give you my score prediction first? Please do. Give me your synopsis of the game. Uh, I like Michigan's defense. I think without their running back, though, you're asking J.J. McCarthy to do things he cannot do, and that's pass the ball. Um, And with this revamped Ohio State defense, I believe I'm going to pick Ohio State 31, Michigan 21. Okay. That's fair. That's a good score. I did see something like if Ohio State scores 30 points, they're like 70 and over. Did oh, you yeah. see that on the uh it's crazy. In the Maryland game? Yeah, that's that's nuts. Well, I mean, they scored 28 last year against Michigan, so they're close to 30, but um yeah. The, the hope is that that Michigan has figured something out, whether it be against Ryan Day or against C.J. Stroud. Um, and sounds like maybe weather might potentially be a factor again. So I think that benefits Michigan because Michigan's the physical team. Michigan's the pounded-out team. Ohio State's the finesse team. You know, throw it to their uh, their athletes and let them make plays. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big loss with Michigan not having the running backs, but I'm kind of leaning on the offensive line to um, to make some plays and, and create some holes. And certainly Ohio State would be wise to just try to shut down the run and let McCarthy beat him. But McCarthy does provide some value with his legs too. Um, and he's a Michigan guy. You know, he's, uh, he's grown up hating Ohio State for his whole life too. So this means a lot to him. Um, and I'll take Michigan, uh, say 30, 34, and Ohio State 27. Wow. Okay. All right, brother. Similar to last year. Um, you know, it'll be last year wasn't really close in fourth quarter. I think this one will come down to the wire. I mean, think about their, the last time they were two and three. Um, was the double overtime game, right? With uh with you know Harbaugh doing that and uh JT Barrett getting the sneak on fourth down. I mean, that was a hell of a game. So if yeah. you can have something like that again, sign That's me up. That's all I ask, bro. Yep. All right, brother, let's get out of here. All right. See ya. Bless them. God bless you. God bless America. Have a great Thanksgiving, y'all. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for our troops and first responders for everything you do. And just like that, we're definitely uncorked, unloaded, and we're out. Say ya.